Prairie View had a chance to extend their lead and really take control of the SWAC West against Alcorn. Instead, they nearly lost it all. And then also, let's take a look forward to MEAC men's basketball. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off, does not mean it's time to end your journey. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. And today's episode of Locked on HBCU is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the candidates you want to find faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked on College. That is LinkedIn.com slash Locked on College. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, Purview had a big opportunity on Friday night. They were the only HBCU game on that day. And they had the opportunity to extend and really take control of the SWAC West. Unfortunately for Panther fans, they weren't able to do that. Unfortunately for them, right? You know, me, I sat back and I laughed in TSU. But but for my Panther fans, this was a very unfortunate break for you. Now, here's the thing is this was all Alcorn at the beginning of the game. And it felt like they were a play here, a play there away from really just running away from it. You know, in the first half, all Alcorn, all the Braves, and I told you what this game was going to come down to. I told you clear as day what this game was going to come down to. And it was the ability to run the game, run the ball. You had the best rushing team against the best running back. I know people are going to have their arguments. This is the leading rusher versus the leading rushing team just to play it safe. We don't need those arguments in the comments, right? But that is literal fact coming into this game. And it was a question of who was going to win out. And for Alcorn, I gave you a magic number. That magic number was 180. Not because I expected them to turn around their season or anything in this game, but because that's around the amount of yards that Alcorn runs for every single game. And it's also around the amount of yards that PV allows in a game. So it was going to be curious. Was Alcorn going to be able to hit that 180 number? And they did. They they by far surpassed it. I want I don't know if I want to say by far, but they were about 210 yards. So by a good amount, they outrushed PV, and by a good amount, they outrushed their typical yards per game. Jarvian Howard was big in this because he was able to get to the edges. They had about four carries of more than 15 yards, so they had some big plays on the ground. But almost all of them, off the top of my head at least, they all came from running to the tackles. Whether that was run left or run right, they got to the tackles, and that's really where I felt like their best rushes came from. And especially in the first quarter, they were able to move the ball down the field consistently. Yes, they only had nine points in that first half, so they weren't able to punch it into the end zone, and that's something that we're going to do defining plays in the next segment. That would have been one of the defining moments had they not won this game. But luckily, 
those nine points, that ability to drive down the field early in the game really allowed them a little bit of a cushion to withstand, a, you know, a nice storm by Prairie View. And when we talk about that storm, it's because the first and the second half of the Panthers, they feel like polar opposites. And when I say polar opposites, I don't just mean, oh, they were good one half, they were bad the other. Even plays that didn't go their way in the first half, right? I think of two plays specifically. There was one play where Jalen Howard, I'm talking about, was wide open. You could go out in your backyard, walk to the middle of it by yourself, and you might not have been as wide open as Jalen Howard was on that play. And Trazon Conley just missed him. He just missed him on that play. And then you had another play where Conley escaped the pass rush. He was rolling out. He tossed it down. I can't remember the wide receiver name at the moment, but he dropped that ball. Well, in the second half, they had more efficient passing yards. They had more efficient passing plays, excuse me. They were able to really orchestrate the passing game and it helped the running game. Because that wasn't really on point at that time either. But then also you had a play where Conley escaped the pocket and he made a big time throw. So that's what I mean. Polar opposites. Same exact situations, different outcomes. So with me, that's what happened with PV in the second half. Things just started being executed better. It wasn't even so much the opportunities were different. It was just the ability to execute that I felt was drastically different. However, that was all the third quarter for PV. And when it came to the fourth, cold as ice. They had nothing going offensively in the fourth quarter. As hot as they were in the third, they were equally as cold in the, uh, in the fourth. Yeah, in the fourth quarter, excuse me. So... What does this mean? Obviously, you go in the, in the overtime, you lose, and we're going to talk about the defining plays that got there, but let's talk about the stakes for Prairie View because we introduced it with the stakes. Let's go ahead and wrap it with the stakes. If you're PV, you had a great opportunity. You're playing Alcorn. You only have one loss. Everybody else has two or more. There is nobody who is tied with you in the conference, right, on your side of the division, obviously. Also, I heard some really interesting news about FAMU versus Jackson State in 2023. is going to be at the end of the year. Thank you. But that's neither here nor there. Maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow when we talk about the Rattlers. But if your prayer of you had an opportunity to beat Alcorn, extend your lead, or at least contain, keep your lead, keep it constant, and then Southern had to go against FAMU. And if they would have lost to FAMU, you would have had basically a two-game lead. With two games left, you just need to win one more. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case, right? But luckily for them, fam, you did save the day. And though PV lost against Alcorn and it felt like, man, you could have lost it all. You didn't because Southern did fall to fam you. So if you're a PV fan, go ahead and thank the Rattlers because they you owe them a lot because you might have just lost your season had you lost to Southern. And before we get into the defining plays, I want to tell you about LinkedIn. And they are not only our sponsor for today's episode, but also a very valuable tool that every year I was in college, I was taught to take advantage of. LinkedIn is phenomenal. A lot of people know for trying to find the employers, but what if you're an employer? LinkedIn is just as good for that. Because if you are a small business owner, we're getting around Black Friday, we're getting around Thanksgiving, we're getting into Christmas time, you're gonna need to make sure that you have your employee or your staff employed with qualified people who meet the vision that you want. 
qualified people who have the vision you want sounds like exactly what you can get on LinkedIn because you can reach out to those people. Instead of needing them to come to you, you can reach out to them. Go ahead and be selective so the selection that you get is what you like. It's just that simple. Use the purple hashtag hiring frame and it's going to be all for free. All you have to do is go to linkedin.com slash locked on college and you're going to be able to reach the 810 million people in that LinkedIn network. That is linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions do apply. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every single day. Keep it up and for your second listen of the day. Make sure you're checking out Locked on Sports today with Peter Bukowski, a great, phenomenal host. I mean, this guy really does it big, and he's a valuable uh, follow on Twitter. I like following him, man. He got some good stuff. But on Locked on Sports today, he's going to be bringing in some of the local hosts to talk about the national news, so you don't want to miss that on Odyssey, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Now, we're talking about this PV versus Alcorn game because it was a pivotal matchup. I know a lot of people laughed at me. <laughs> you know, like a lot of people was like, PV versus Alcorn, like you see what Alcorn is doing. I said the difference between Alcorn and the other bottom feeders. I don't even want to call them a bottom feeder. That's still disrespectful. But what separated Alcorn from a bottom feeder to me is the fact that I've seen them play well. And this was a game where they didn't play great, but they played good enough to win this game, you know? And I don't think a team like some of the bottom feeders, like Mississippi, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I don't know if Mississippi Valley or UAPB would have been able to stop Prairie View from that storm that they started building up in the second half. We'll see it, though, because they do have to see Mississippi Valley State this week. This week. But let's talk about the games or the plays within this game that were truly defining the moments because some are individual plays and some are just moments. And I want to start off with Alcorn because Alcorn is the victor. And I don't want to make it all about Prairie View because Alcorn won this game. They deserve to have some shine. So let's talk about what they did right. And for me, there was two specific moments in which Alcorn needed to win this game. And the first comes on that red zone stand. They had a red zone stand when it was 13 to 7. We're going to get to why it was 13 to 7 in a little bit. But it was 13 to 7. And the reason that is important is because with another touchdown, I think this game is out of reach. I don't think that Alcorn would have had enough time. Well, they would have had enough time, but I don't think they would have had enough. I don't think, actually, no, I don't think the fourth quarter would have been enough to come back 13 points. I just don't think they would have been able to do it. Because it was 13-7, it would have been 20-7 at that time. And what was impressive about the red zone stand is the fact they had to do it twice. The first time they did it, they were on like the 10-yard line. Forced a field goal, had a penalty that created a first down on the six-yard line and had to have another red zone stand. So you had two red zone stands within one drive, and both were just as important. Like I said, if it's 20 to 7, I don't know if Alcorn comes back. This might have been a we talk about game tying plays. We talk about game winning plays. This might have been a game saving moment. That's what I think about this red zone stand. And at that point, that's when we saw Claude and uh Sherless. Right. He was everywhere from that point on. Like, I just felt like I saw him significantly more And the announcer was talking about how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? If that's what was going through the mind 
Oh, he wanted it better or, or more than anybody else on the team. Offense, defense for Alcorn, offense, defense, or Prairie View. Nobody wanted that more than Sherilis. It just felt like when it was time to turn up, he turned up and he really ignited this Alcorn defense. So that was the number one big play. Then the second one was a broken play in overtime that actually led to the game-winning touchdown. You had Manny Jones, who, I'll be honest with you, coming into halftime or coming into overtime, I had absolutely no confidence that either team was going to be able to do anything. But especially not Alcorn because it had been such a long time, except for that one drive. It had been such a long time since I seen them be able to generate offense. So I was questioning if they were going to be able to do it. I wasn't sure. You know, I, honestly, I didn't think so. I'm not even going to say I wasn't sure. I didn't think they were going to be able to score. And it looked like on that first play, it was going to be a negative play, maybe a minor game gain at all. Right. We're talking about two yards, very minuscule, but definitely not a 23 yard run. And Manny Jones was stopped when he was going to his right. He reversed field and it was nothing but green grass ahead of him. And he took advantage of every single blade of grass, getting it down to the two yard line. And at that point, I said, you know what? Jarvin Howard is going to get this in. I had absolutely no doubt that Howard was going to be able to get it in. If you gave him three, I probably would have went for it on fourth down. So four attempts from the two yard line. It's a big body. You're not stopping them. And they didn't even, I don't even think they stopped the one play. So it only took two plays to score that touchdown. And clearly, Howard had the game-winning touchdown. However, I don't think it's even possible without that moment. That was the biggest moment of their singular overtime drive. Now you get to Prairie View. And the thing with PV is it's all unforced errors. Alcorn did great things first. They had a great red zone stand they had a great play that was phenomenal individual play by Manny Jones but when you get to PV and what cost them the game it felt like it was things on them we talk about in tennis unforced errors which means it was just on you it wasn't your opponent you did this and were and you weren't forced to do it you know it, it's me not you type of deal or it's you not me depending on how you look at it they had these unforced errors and the very first one was a missed extra point. I told you we'd get back to why it was 13-7 and not 14-7. PV had two touchdowns. They had two touchdowns, but they missed an extra point. Now, that comes into play because Alcorn was able to score a touchdown to tie it up. They would have had to have a two-point conversion had PV not missed the extra point. One point can seem small, but even at that moment, I said, ah, that's going to cost you. And it did. Because Alcorn could have got the two-point conversion. They could have told Jarvie and Howard, put your feet in the dirt and explode forward, and he could have got it. But it's significantly more difficult, especially when you know they need it and you're probably feeling like we know what's coming, as opposed to an extra point. That was a big difference. Then you go into the drop pass. No, excuse me, we're going in chronological order. You have a horrendous punt. Alcorn couldn't get anything going in the second half. Nothing. They had one good drive, and it was set up by a terrible punt by Prairie View. The punt maybe went 30 yards. It was a phenomenal timing for Alcorn, but for PV, it was a terrible punt. They didn't heat him up. They didn't tip it. It was just a bad punt, and that's on PV. You know, that's an unforced error by PV. It didn't get tipped. I don't care if, I don't care if there was a pressure coming on his right if it didn't get tipped, there's no excuse for a 30-yard punt. It's just not. You shanked it. That's on you. Then you look at the last unforced error. PV had a wide-open route dropped in overtime. That was for sure a touchdown. 
and then we're going to a second OT. But instead, you drop it and you only go backwards from there. It's nothing but negative plays. Mind you, I told you, I didn't have any confidence in either one of these teams to score in overtime. Alcorn made what, he needed, what they needed to off of a broken play, while Prairie View had a play right there perfectly designed, and they let it go. It slipped right through their fingers. When the ball went through the receiver's hands, the opportunity did as well, because when that happened, sometimes you get a gut feeling, and I knew, wrap it up. They not getting it. It ain't happening, right? And that's exactly what happened. It went backwards from there. Those were five game-defining moments in plays. The red zone stand, the broken play turned into a 23-yard game, and then all of Prairie View's unforced errors really are what made this game go down the way that it did. And luckily for Prairie View, fam, you had their back. Because if they didn't, we sitting here having a completely different conversation than we're having right now because with this, we're going into next week with the same exact situation we had this week. Win and get some distance from Southern. Going forward, we're going to switch gears not only from the SWAC, but also from SWAC football to MEAC basketball by previewing not only what the season is, or excuse me, the preseason standings, but then also breaking down some of the differences from last year. Before I get into that, however... Allow me to tell you about Bet Online, right? Now, let's just go ahead and get it out of here. Astros, right? So you could have been like me. Should have been like Mattress Mac. Put your money down on the Astros. Put your money down on the Astros. They would have made it back for you. It was a lot of good things to bet on. If you are a Bet Online user, this was a phenomenal weekend for you. You had the World Series. That was a major event. You had Notre Dame knocking off Clemson in a game that I'll be honest with you, I did not see coming. Some did, I did not. And then you had LSU beating uh, Alabama. That's two underdogs that you could have made a lot of money off of. You could have made a lot of money off. They didn't just beat the spread, they beat their opponent. That was a big time game for both of those teams and then including the World Series. But it's not just football, it's not just uh, baseball, you also have basketball, you also have combat sports. There's so much to put your money down on when you're talking about bet online. They're the most versatile, in addition to being the fastest and easiest. What a wager on all of your sports wagering needs. Bet online, where the game starts. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, we're going to go ahead and switch gears, LeVar Ball style. And speaking of LeVar Ball, let's go ahead and talk about some basketball. We're talking about the MEAC men's basketball standings because they're going to go ahead and start their season today. A lot of teams are going to play um, the first game. I don't think the MEAC played. I don't think any of the MEAC teams have played a game yet. And they're going ahead and some of them are going to go ahead and kick off their schedule today on Monday. Right now, today. Right. <laughs> um, and let's go ahead and get into these standings and talk about what we're seeing. And these have been voted on, mind you, by the coaches, by some of the uh, athletic directors, SIDs. These are team personnel. This ain't me and my buddies. This ain't me, Gerald Huggins. Right. This, this ain't them. This is other people who are connected directly to these schools. Number one is Norfolk. Two is North, uh, North Carolina Central. Three, Howard. Four, Morgan State. Five, uh, Coppin State. Six, Maryland Eastern Shore. Seven is a tie between Delaware State and South Carolina State. So for me, there was two teams that I was particularly interested in, not only where they were going to land 
on this ranking, right? Where did the people think they would be? But also, how are they going to turn out? I really care about how Coppin State and South Carolina State are going to perform this year because they're in completely different circumstances. South Carolina State looks like they're on, on the course for a little bit of a downturn. It's okay. You know, it doesn't mean they're going to be trash, but it kind of looks like they're on the course for that. And the ranking does reflect it. Meanwhile, Coppin State was trending upward last year. This isn't quite reflective of it, but they were uh, trending upward. So with South Carolina State, they just lost their coach and they lost TJ Madlock. Coach Madlock took himself and he took his son and he said, you know what? We go into the swag. That's fine. You lose your coach. You lose the top notch player. I expect you to kind of go down. Maybe they surprised. They surprised some last year, but maybe they surprised. Last year, they were a middle of the pack team. Without those two components, they're predicted to be a bottom of the barrel team. I think that's fair. It, all South Carolina State fans should be able to say, you know what? That is understandable. We're going to prove you wrong. At the worst. But it's definitely understandable. Then you look at Coppin State. They were like a Cinderella team. They were the seventh seed last year. So they were pretty bad during the season. So it's not shocking that they're middle of the pack. I just thought they might have been above that, that uh, 500 lines, right? So we're thinking maybe four. They're, they're at six or five right now. So they're right they're the beginning of the bottom half. But with Coppin State, they knocked off Howard and they knocked off North Carolina Central in the tournament. I kind of thought that, you know, maybe ending on such a high note, though they lost to Norfolk State, ending on such a high note would have given them a little bit higher confidence from, from these people who are making the rankings. But that wasn't the case. We'll see. I'm definitely interested to see if they're able to continue the momentum that they built because they were an extremely young team. So they're going to be bringing back a lot of their core. Then you look at the top of the list, man. It's, this is what we thought it would be. This is the same as last year. Other than South Carolina State and Coppin, they actually switched. So Coppin was seven. Now, North Car now South Carolina State is seven. South Carolina State was five. Now Coppin's five. Other than those exchanging, everything else, same. Norfolk State at number one, Howard at three, North Carolina Central at two. Last year was Norfolk State at one, Howard at two, North Carolina Central at three, but they were tied. So you could really go either way. Howard ended up getting the nod, but they were tied for the, the exact same conference record. Instead, this year, you see that North Carolina Central is actually the only other team outside of Norfolk State to get a first place vote. So it wasn't a unanimous decision. Some people actually think that North Carolina Central could win that division or that conference. And then also their only other team to hit 100. But Howard's right there at 93, so it's very close. It's not as if there is a, a big discrepancy between Central and Howard. It's kind of like last year. It's a toss-up. It's a toss-up. They're right there, neck and neck. But then you look at Norfolk State, who is relatively above the rest. They had 15 of the 16 first-place votes. And when you return your two best players in Joe Bryant, Chris Bankston, you're going to do that. You return your two best players. You're going to be predicted to win the MIAC again. And they've been a pretty good team for a long time. That's not going to change this year, but it will be interesting to see who can challenge them. And I'm specifically looking at, at Coppin State. Not to challenge them, but I just want to know what are you going to be? Can you continue that momentum with the young team that you had and take it into 2022 slash 2023? Or is that just going to be left off in the fall or in the spring of 22?
Let me know what you think in the comments below. Let me know what you think about Prairie View versus Alcorn. What you think about FAMU saving the day. And what you think about these MEAC rankings. Who's going to win it? Let me know what you think down below. And I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked On Sports Today with Peter Bukowski wherever you get your podcast. And then also on tomorrow's episode, we're going to be breaking down PV Savior, the FAMU Rattlers, their win over Southern, and then also what does it mean for both teams. In the meantime, in between time, though, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.